The old money eating shit grinning <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> AKA the devil. <laughs> I think we have our intro for the week. What are we fucking talking about? <laughs> oh yeah. Welcome to the Well Played DLC Podcast, episode 77. I'm Zach Jackson, joined by Kieran Verbruge. Hello. Jordan Garcia. Hello. And Adam Ryan. Hello. Evening, lads. It's a, it's a late one tonight. How are we all? Good. Yeah, doing yep. well, despite it being late. Still awake. He's normally in bed by this time, on a, on a normal nah. day. Fucking not me. Yes. Yeah, no chance. I feel like none of us are like Kieran's probably uh, early sleepers, right? Closest to what? Sorry. Or oh, he was having a nap enough. before we started recording. <laughs> yes, yeah, so he's not in bed by this time. He's in bed before then and out of bed by this time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. He's he's already had his, his forty winks. Uh, everyone have a good weekend. Just work. Nothing too exciting. Yeah. But yeah, it was all right. Outside of that, it was all right. I got stuck on my uh, couch all of Saturday because my cat fell asleep in my lap and it was great. So you, oh, you just sat there? I mean... I just sat there. You, you can't that's the rule. It's illegal to move, Zach. Right. I see. You get hit with a, a big old fine if you move a comfortable cat. Yeah. Shake th- shaking things up, Zach. Huh? How, have, how have you been lately, first off? You go first. Tell us, tell us about how. So you anyway, do. what's everyone right. been playing? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm right. Uh, KS came around on the weekend, and we went out for dinner. Well, actually, not just he and I, but um, his partner and Cute. his kids and uh, Anna and that. We went out, um, and we uh, introduced the Magpie family to them. Ah. Uh. Um, what an occasion. I know KV is beyond because he came around that time. They, they didn't turn up. No, they came right before oh. they came right before you were there and then they came right after you left. Story of my life. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's confirmed that magpies hate KV. Um, they don't. Uh, no, don't do not do that to me. You break my heart. What, what I think has happened just, is uh, I it think, was unfortunate. I think Zach has actually trained them to dislike KV in this instance. Um, <laughs> it's the only explanation there is. But yeah, the uh, the the young uh, KS's young son, Killian, he uh, fed them just, um, and uh, his partner fed them. But uh, it's something else. Uh, KV knows this, but we actually made a couple more friends on the weekend. Uh, we now have a juvenile butcher bird that comes to the house. I think words, Good Lord. I think I'm words glad that around. you said butcher bird and you just didn't say butcher. Like it's just some kid practicing butchery on the street. And actually, that's uh, they are sort of uh, semi um, butchery. They they uh, do like to kill other birds. Apparently, oh, I've read. Um, but are your magpies safe then? Yeah. Well, it's funny. The little when when the when the butcher bird uh, who have called birdie when that uh, first rocked up, um, the magpies were a bit jealous. Uh, Whoa. Uh, yeah, the the male one. He came down. He was strutting about. 
going, who's this little, little bird? Butcher. You know, um, I, I just, I, I got to point out, you got to be careful with that name Birdie because it's very close to Birdo from, um, from Mario. And, uh, well, Nintendo might hit you with a cease and desist. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, the young magpie jumped up on the fence, went to like intimidate uh, the, the young butcher bird and the butcher bird was like, nah, mate. Not having a bar of that, and and like not having any of it, and like fought, didn't like not fought back, but like you know didn't oh. uh, called his bluff, and you know walked towards the baby magpie, and he just he shit himself, mate. Oh, so he, he like, staunched <laughs> him. He staunched him. Huh? He staunched them. Um, you can have like so a bird quite, war on on your that was quite in funny. your backyard. Um, gonna, yeah, he's been coming. <laughs> bird wars. Bird wars. Uh, he's he's gonna coming. He's gonna turn your magpies <laughs> into meat pies, mate. No, oh, <laughs> oh. oh wow. Um, but yeah, he, he's been coming every day. He's lovely. I, I almost fed him by hand the other day, but um, he kind of went to take the the food out of my hand, but sort of nipped my finger, and he then, then he shit himself. And now you're <laughs> now you're missing your finger. So we're still building that bond. But gave you a bit um, of a thick nip. We also I might have said this before, but we also we have a we have pied currawongs as well. What's um, with all these pies? And. <laughs> Well, they're like yeah, there is a theme. Um, so you got curried pies, you got meat pies. What else you got? <laughs> Butcher pies, <laughs> cream and pies. For the first time, uh, they came as a pair. Uh, we've, we've had one Ooh. that's come every now and again. Um, they came together. They did come together, and then the mate came. So it was. <laughs> it, we just had like I think that went over pies. his head. <laughs> we had pigeons. We had everyone was coming. We had pied carrawongs. Everyone was coming. <laughs> come pies. That's oh wow! So um, that's my uh, bird update. I love it. I want to. I want to. I want to keep up to date with this. This this podcast is going to turn more into vacuum and bird talk than like <laughs> anything to do with games. It's getting more and more niche as the weeks go on. Well, speaking of that, I wonder what the best vacuum is to suck up bird feathers. I thought you were just going to say suck up birds. Yeah. I was going to say it'll be a fly thing. You see, that's like that's a discussion topic that you'd have to listen to the first seventy six episodes of the Well Played DLC podcast <laughs> yeah. to even have an understanding of. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's um, too so deep. That's for the Patreon that subscribers. Like, yeah, what, what you're saying is that the podcast is like backstory and lore to it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's the yeah. Dark Souls of podcasts. It's in the anyone, DLC. Uh, anyone else <laughs> got anything interesting they've been up to in the past uh, week or so? Yeah, so a friend of mine was, uh, he told me recently about uh, these birds that hang around his house. <laughs> sounds like a legend. Yeah, he's all right. Like, sounds like a cool bot. Plenty of birds hanging around his house. Mm. Oi, oi. That's it. All right, video games, though. What have we been playing? Uh, we got a couple review games, a couple of previews. Uh, but has anybody been playing anything else that's not... For those purposes, Jordan, I'm sure it's going to be something like you already know Final my Fantasy answer. 14. There you go. You, what's that? There you go. That's it. What? That's just it. That's it. Hole in one. Sixty hours in the past forty-eight hours. <laughs> Sounds about right. Probably, yeah. Nice. How is it? Is it because there's a new raid here, or is that? Uh, yeah. Um, so they released new raids. Um, me and my group just last or at. Sunday night, we beat the new raids on the hardest difficulty, and that took forever. So you all finished hard together? 
Yeah, we all finish hard together. <laughs> That's <laughs> exactly it. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's good to uh, good to have that done. Now we can do them for fun rather than just bashing our heads, progressing new raids. So nice. yeah, yeah, nothing else really. Cool. Uh, Adam, you've been playing anything that's not uh, your review game? Uh, yeah, I've been playing. Nope, a... I'm putting that off. Speaking of that, it's, you uh... still um, you got to oh, you got to send me that game, mate. Uh, yeah, yep, yeah, I will. I will. I, how about yeah? No, I will. How, I will. how do you expect to Zach to even consider maybe completing a pledge game when he can't p- complete his punishments yet? Yeah, look. Fair point, fair point. The man's in a state of limbo. I shouldn't keep him there. Um, yeah, outside of things for review, uh, I played some more Streets of Rage 4, but with a different mate this oh, time. Yeah. Uh, and now it looks like I'm going to have a full party of four people to play oh, it with because yeah. I've got two. I just need one more. Um, but yeah, each each person I've introduced it to so far has loved it. So I'm spreading the good word for you, Zach. Thank you. Um, Outside of that, uh, the usual is Rocket League and Apex, but for good reasons this time. Uh, Rocket League got a new gridiron mode, which is all kinds of fun because the, the Super Bowl was just on. Uh, so they have turned the arena into a gridiron field. It's an American football instead of a soccer ball. And there's, you know, the the general gridiron rules, but you can do like the, the cool spiral passes and that sort of stuff. So that's a good time. It's very... Uh, like team-based and strategic a bit more than the, the general one. Uh, and Apex got a new season, so I've been messing around with the, the new character who's Australian, and he's got great voice lines. I think one of his kill quips is something like, um, you're a few tinnies short of a slab or something like that. There's plenty that I feel like only Australians will understand. Mm. Like, they're not the, the general throw another shrimp on the barbie kind of bullshit. Oh, that's, that's when you know you're really Australian. Oh, yeah. What's this guy's unique ability? Um, so his passive is that he can stack grenades like you can med packs. So you can hold a lot more grenades. Uh, his ultimate is he shoots like a ring of fire. So you can kind of control teams into like a single spot. I think that's stupid. What his, his, um, ultimate should be was he sends out a swarm of funnel web spiders. (laughs) Well, I mean, he'd be massively overpowered if you did that. (laughs) It's true, but you know, you've got to think about the meta. (laughs) Yeah, the meta is um, now the game is avoiding spiders, just like Australia. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, nah, all right, you've convinced me. No, that's good. But yeah, those um, just testing out new new modes and new seasons of the the old faithfuls, and then playing playing review games. Nice. That's been me. Kv, what do you got for us? Have you been playing much? Uh, no, not really. Nothing no. that's not no. for review, and even that, I'm struggling at the moment. Yeah, you do have a few things on the cards. Um, Busy man. Oh, he's playing Yu-Gi-Oh. I, <laughs> I am. Um, I will like end my recording randomly and then start it up again <laughs> randomly. So you have to fix it. <laughs> that's me staunching that's so, you via, via that, podcast. That's okay because we established you're editing this week. Ah, <laughs> shit. <laughs> um, I actually jump back into the Evil Within two. Oh, good choice. I've yeah, been, I've been wanting to replay that recently, actually. Yeah, well, um, so the problem I've got is that I was up to chapter four and because I haven't played it in like over a year, 
I have no fucking idea, like, uh, what anything is. So I have, chestnut. I, I have to uh, admit, I had to look at a cheeky walkthrough for just to kind of get my bearings. Mm, that's um, fair. Because I went to no shame in that, mate. I did. Um, the mission was I had to go to this safe to the to the second safe house, I think. And you have to you, yep. you, you have to shoot it. I was like, how the fuck do I open this? Because it, it's like you've got to use a weapon that old mate in the first safe house told you about. And I was like. Mate, I don't remember what, what you're talking about. And there's there's no like objective like that says, hey, go find weapon. So I was like, what the fuck is it? Um, then I found out it's some bolt or so, like some bow and arrow or something or crossbow or something. Um, yeah. So that's where I'm up. That's where I'm up to with that. Um, but also, I've been checking out a game called The Procession of Cavalry, um, which is awesome. It's a point-and-click game. I've only played about an hour of it, but it's all in the style of, like, Renaissance art um, and the writing and the humour and all that is, like, Monty Python style. Um, And it's fucking rad. It came out last year. I bought it on... No, I didn't buy it on sale because I forgot about it, so I bought it full price. Um, But it's made by, like, one dude, I think, called Joe Richardson. Um... But yeah, it's really, really cool. Uh, so one of the things is you basically the game starts off and there's been like a holy war or something like that, but the war's over because um, uh, King Peter or whoever it is, Lord Peter, <clears throat> has been like defeated, right? So your character, who's this lady knight, she like just loves to kill people. She's a huge fan of like murdering people. So she's just like, oh, can I, you know, can I still kill people? And they're like, no, no, you can't. But then she goes and speaks to this new king and she finds out that this Lord King Peter guy, whoever was uh, in charge before, he's actually not dead. Um, so he's like, uh, so she's like, oh, so can I go kill this guy? And he's like, well, I'm not saying that you can, like, you know, but <laughs> we're like confirming, like, yeah. So she, that's basically the the gist of the game is you, ha- is you have to go and find... Um, yeah, this this King King Peter. But what what is a cool part of the game is and I don't know how if, if there's any sort of different ways to do it yet because I'm only sort of just started. But um, one of the first tasks is you have to get these oars, but the oars are currently being used by a guy who's had his leg amputated as crutches. Um, and I was fucking around for ages, going like, how do I get these fucking oars back from this guy to give to the guy to take me to this next island, right? And I was like, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna stab him." So I killed him. But then I went. Then I got. Then I got to the next town, and I get to the the gate of the town or whatever, and they're like, "No, nah, we don't let let people who kill who kill who kill cripples into the town." And then so it's like, "Fuck!" Like so, my actions are like, are they actually huh. having an effect, or is it just that's just how it is? So now, so now I can't just waltz into this town. So I've got to figure out another way to do it but yeah like it's super well written it like it does it feels like it's written by the um the monty python people it's it's like really well done and the the soundtrack is and the art style is just if you like renaissance art and stuff like that it's 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 so well done um and the the soundtrack's great like in every sort of scene there's like um like a group of musicians or a single musician like playing like a real famous composer like song so there'll be like tracks from like beethoven or like vivaldi shout outs to dylan blight there for his uh uh handle on 
Twitter. Um, yeah, and they're all like playing these different songs in different keys and stuff like that. Yeah, it's just it's it's like really well done. Uh, I think it's only like it's like fifteen bucks on Twitter. On Twitter, fucking on Steam. Sorry, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like just another yeah, another 14, launcher 15. for PC games now. Um, <laughs> and I'm looking at it now. That, uh, it came out last year. That artwork really is unreal, isn't it? That's that's really cool. I'm literally yeah, just, I just bought it and I'm downloading it as we I, speak. Did you? Yeah, it's so like it's yeah. it's so fucking cool. Like I don't know. Yeah, it's just really it, like all the reviews are super positive. It's it's it is coming to PS4. I think this year. I think we did establish that last year. Nice. Oh, last year, last week. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's probably best played with I would say with a mouse and keyboard uh, for this style of game. Yeah. But yeah, it is. If you do like point and click games, I would, and you like that sort of comedy, like Monty Python's kind of stuff. It is. It's very very well done. Um, so yeah, I'm keen to play that uh, a bit more this week. Uh, all right, let's talk reviews. Um, what have we got? We've got a couple here. Uh, Kieran, do you want to kick us off with? There's a couple that you've been playing. Yes, there is. Let me. Um, we'll, we'll start off big. We'll talk about Super Mario <laughs> 3D World and Bowser's Fury. Um, which has anyone here? Did anyone here own a Wii U, or has anyone here played Super Mario 3D World? No, the reason is because I didn't own a Wii U. Yeah. So was it was is... it only on Wii U? Correct. Right. See, there's so yep. many similar names like Super Mario. I was like, yeah, I played Super Mario World. No, I haven't. Mario. <laughs> yeah. So um, there, were, it's a. It was a, on the Wii U. It was a sequel to Super Mario 3D Land, which was on the 3DS, um, or like a pseudo sequel. Um, but yeah, so that's like, that's good because that's probably the best thing about this release is that people are going to actually be able to play a game, play this game on a system that they own. Um, because this is probably one of the biggest casualties of the poor performance of the Wii U console. Um, because Super Mario 3D World, uh, in my opinion, and I'm sure a lot of other people's opinions, is, is easily one of the best Super Mario games ever made. So it was uh, a bit of a tragedy that kind of went down with that ship. Um, so it's very, very cool that Nintendo has opted to do what they've done for a lot of Wii U games and give it a, a new lease on life on the Switch. Um, and it's actually in sort of a little bit of a package as well. So given the the giveaways in the title, it's Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. So you get the original game in its entirety with a few tweaks to uh, controls and camera and stuff, but otherwise pretty much largely exactly the same. Um, but then you also get Bowser's Fury, which is like an entirely separate game option. Um, and it's a three to five hour self-contained little open world Super Mario experience, which is a very, very cool little experiment from Nintendo that does a couple of things that other more open Mario games like Odyssey and stuff haven't done either. Um, one of them being that it has uh, like a, a constant threat in the form of Bowser, who in this in this open level, which is called Lake Lapcat, it's basically just like a big body of water with all these different little islands. Um, 
the objective is to to go around to each island and collect shines as you would in other Mario games by completing objectives. Um, but the whole time that you're doing that, uh, Fury Bowser, which is like a like a transformed version of Bowser who's been affected by some weird black goop. I don't know. There's not really much like explanation, but he's he's big and he's he's really angry. Um, he kind of he looks really cool he too. looks awesome. awesome. Yeah, um, he kind of like sits dormant in the middle of the map and as you're playing and as you're exploring and, and kind of finding secrets and stuff in each of the islands, you can just see him slowly spinning up in the background. Um, and every, every now and then he'll, he'll come out and basically the whole world sort of transforms. It gets darker. You, the enemies get angrier. There's new like obstacles and things come up and he just like starts laying waste to everything, like spitting fire at you and throwing shit. Um, and basically the idea is when he comes out, you've got to either find another, another shine, um, which kind of sends him away temporarily, or if you've found enough shines to unlock a nearby special bell, you can ring that and turn into a giant version of Cat Mario, which, uh, as the internet has, has already pointed out many times, looks like a Super Saiyan Mario, basically. Um, and, and you can fight him. Uh, so it's like this big kind of Mario versus Bowser Kaiju battle. Um, and you're stomping all over these like levels that you were just in, like, you know, collecting and diving for secrets and stuff. So it's, um, it's this very weird kind of, it's got this very interesting kind of cadence where like one minute you're, you know, in on, on like a, on like a Mario, like a regular Mario scale kind of just digging through, uh, different environments and very intricate little, you know, level designs and stuff. And then the next minute you're like just waltzing all over the map, just traipsing all over stuff and punching giant Bowser. And yeah, it's, it's very, very cool. Um, and like as a, as an addition to, you know, an already excellent existing game um, for, you know, the price of one game, it's also, uh, I guess, pretty good value. Like I said, it's like, I think it's like three or four hours to like finish it roughly. And then maybe like another couple on top to go and just collect everything. Um, but in, you know, in true Mario fashion, it doesn't end when it ends. So, you know, you, you get the opportunity to sort of spend a little bit more time in it. Um, the only, I guess, issue I have with it is that for a Nintendo game, it's weirdly, it the like performance kind of leaves a lot to be desired. Um, and you <laughs> thanks everyone for pointing out in the in the discord you can probably hear bernie in the background sorry about that but he's he's joined our podcast uh, he's, adding, he's he's adding a lot to this review so don't don't stress he's super in love with the game because it's all um everything in bowser's fury has been turned into like like everything's cat flavored so it's like all the enemies have little cat ears and all the like shines are cat shines and all that kind of cool stuff so bernie's just excited about that um <laughs> But yeah, weirdly enough, for like a first-party Nintendo game, um, everything runs, like everything in in the normal 3D world game runs at 60 frames, whether it's on TV or on handheld. Um, Bowser's Fury, though, it kind of mostly runs at 60 on TV, but then when Bowser turns up and there's like shit going on everywhere, it it does dip quite a bit. Um, and then on handheld, it's locked to what's well, it's at uh, 30 FPS, and it dips even further when Bowser turns up. So 
that was kind of a, a bit jarring because I'm used to Nintendo games being very, very tight and Mario games is like Odyssey and stuff just being like a solid 60 most of the time. So that was weird, but it, like it is, it, it's like a big open world. So it's, I guess, kind of new for them and it's, it's a little bit more experimental. So it doesn't feel as detrimental as like if, if 3D world suddenly was 30 FPS or something. Um, but yeah, so that review should be on the site yeah the embargo lift obviously because we're talking about it but yeah yeah that'll be on the site when this goes out and i will have given it a nine out of ten um mostly because of the quality of the base 3d world which i won't spend too much time on because it exists and you can go read reviews of that from years ago but um yeah so being that i haven't played 3d world at mm. all this is definitely worth absolutely getting hold of yeah even if you ha- like if you have played 3d world then you know how good it is and you probably want to play it again um the other big sure. thing being that they added online multiplayer to that as well so you're not locked into local co-op um and it's a really really good multiplayer mario as well um oh, so cool. the, like even even just the addition of that is is good for returning players but yeah if you've definitely if you've never played it before then you owe it to yourself to give it a go because the the level design uh, and the controls and stuff, are, yeah, some of the best in the in the franchise. Sweet, I'll get on. I'll get on it. Nice one. Uh, all right, do you want to go your uh, other review now before we'll switch to Adam and then close with your uh, preview? I'll talk about my preview quickly because I actually want to talk to Adam sure. about the other okay. one, and that'll be a nice little segue because we know how much he loves segues. Um, yeah, yeah, the other thing I've been playing a little bit of is Bravely Default 2. Um, so I'm very, I'm very switch heavy at the moment. Um, that one, I admittedly have only gotten maybe like four or five hours in. Um, so I've only completed the prologue. I just got up to chapter one. Um, but it's essentially just more Bravely Default, which if you've never played it is a Square Enix JRPG that basically just emulates the feel of some of their older JRPGs. Um, it's got that very like gothic fantasy kind of vibe to it. Um, but uh, the I guess like the the gimmick in the Bravely Default games um, is in their in their turn based battles you have a mechanic uh, where you where you get brave points. So every every turn that a character takes in battle, they have a neutral value of brave points. So they're at zero. And then when they take a turn, it, it costs them one. And then they get that back the next turn, but you're able to borrow points from future turns. So every character on their turn in the, in the turn-based battles can take up to four actions at the expense of not being able to do anything for up to four turns. Um, and alternatively you can defend instead of taking an action and gain extra points. So you can spend those instead without sacrificing future ones. So it's like this very kind of risk reward sort of give and take system where if you're confident that you can take down an enemy in the amount of turns that you have, if you've, you know, if you've strategized and you you've kind of looked at what their weaknesses and stuff are, and you know what your characters are capable of, you can kind of borrow from theoretical future turns and just, smash it out and and hopefully you know you you sort of get a win you're not stuck doing nothing um and alternatively like if you know a particular enemy has the ability to wipe your party you can kind of all just 
hold your ground and let them do their big attack and you know bank up turns and just like go all out after that so it's um it's a very cool battle system like if you're into turn-based jrpgs and stuff it's a it's a very unique kind of flow um and it's a very very beautiful game so far as well it's it's all like really really super intricate sort of hand-painted 3d backgrounds um mixed with like little kind of chibi sort of anime characters um and i don't haven't got far enough to really get the gist of the the story itself but it seems like standard like 90s jrpg fare which is which is very cool um is it um a question on that yeah. real quick is it self-contained or does it continue on so it yeah so it's it's a brand game. new story um so the first cool. game had a sequel so bravely default came out and then they did bravely second which is the sure. sequel to that game story-wise um but this is yeah like bravely default 2 is like a whole new thing so they go in the the final fantasy Super route of where cool. like the numbered sequels, I guess, uh, new stories, and then they can kind of continue those on if they want to. Um, gotcha. Cool, cool, cool. But yeah, so you don't have to have played the, the previous games. Both of those run 3DS. Probably not many opportunities to play those again now. So if you're, if you're new to the series, but you like JRPGs, especially Square Enix ones, then um, so far I'm, I'm enjoying it. Um, but yeah, and there's heaps of like really cool kind of uh, like accessibility and, and gameplay tweaking stuff you can do to make it play easier than a lot of the old school stuff that it riffs on. You can like fast, like your speed up battles up to like four times speed and you can like use items that make enemies avoid you and, or you can attract them and just kind of like half sort of auto battle and just grind if you really need to. Um, so it's, it's it's cool. It's like it's like old school JRPG with like a lot of modern sensibilities and and cool stuff that you don't see in other ones. So yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. Um, the preview embargo has lifted, and I probably won't have anything written. So this consider this your preview. Um, but <laughs> uh, yeah, nice. Uh, you also have been reviewing Little Nightmares too have been reviewing little nightmares too um you have been that one will also be up on the website at the proper embargo time by the time this uh podcast goes out um and this one's fairly straightforward if you've played little nightmares you pretty much will know exactly what to expect from this um it's a very brisk three to four hour puzzle platformer where you play as uh, a new character called mono and he's a little little kid in a world full of very very scary things um and like the first game there's not much to the story it's very it's devoid of dialogue completely it's very kind of implied and and told through a lot of imagery but essentially you're in this kind of city that's being twisted by like a, a tower that's making everyone obsessed with their TVs and stuff. It's very kind of abstract and, and weird, but you, you, you kind of just go through a series of these environments that have a couple of central antagonists um, that you need to either avoid or, or fight in some capacity. Um, so yeah, like the first game, it's, it's kind of like half sort of light stealth, half puzzle platforming, um, mostly just gawping at all the super 
weird, creepy, disturbing imagery and characters and stuff. Um, and my boy Adam has also been playing it. Um, yes, I and have. we have a shared hatred for Long Teacher, is is what I've dubbed this character. Um, yep, she can take herself and stretch right on into the bin, <laughs> for all I'm concerned. Um, yeah, so like one of the uh, one of the very first kind of core, I, I, w- I hesitate to call them villains because they're a little bit more empathetic than that. But um, one of the first ones you come across is this like teacher and you're sort of sneaking through her school and she's got all these school children that are your size but they're made out of like porcelain and their heads are all cracked and fucked and stuff but um she's like huge in in comparison um you're kind of sneaking around her classroom while she's waltzing around and like banging her ruler down on desks and generally just being angry um and then you you kind of get a couple a couple rooms over and sort of she notices you and immediately like stretches her neck from the room that she's in to where you are. So she's just like, you know, she's got this really, really long extendable neck and she just starts following you and uh, it's, yeah, it's fucked up. It's... Yeah, she's she's full on the, Like the last bit where you're kind of getting away from her, Adam, I was like uh, wetting myself. I, I genuinely found a lot of parts of uh, a big parts of this game to be really stressful yeah yeah super stressful <laughs> like it's very very tense in a, a really great way but that's yeah by far takes the, <laughs> the cake the the score the score part for sure um yeah sorry i've actually never i've never played little nightmares would i um i think you would like you, it yeah do you like yeah do you, do you play agree. like limbo at all no, oh. I got a free code for it, but I've, I, it's on the list. But it just yeah, okay. never seems to to jump up to that. Yeah, know, I'll give it a crack. Thing. Fans like, of yeah, I've got to play that one day. Yeah, fans of like those kind of games definitely would be into this. It's yeah, it's one of those. Yeah. It's it's you know a little bit of light puzzle solving, and a little bit of just like figuring out how to get from A to B without being eaten alive by a long teacher. Um, <laughs> But yeah, uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Like, it doesn't really do much that the first game didn't do. It's just kind of like a little bit bigger and prettier, and you know, there's new creepy shit to look at. Um, one thing they kind of did add, which I didn't like as much, is like some very, very light combat elements. So there's a couple of sequences where yeah. you kind of pick up some makeshift weapons like a wrench or a hammer or whatever and there's enemies that kind of come at you and you have to get rid of them um they're they're not bad they kind of like they have a little a lot of impact from like a presentation and narrative point of view but they're very like fiddly like if you get the timing wrong you're, you're fucked and you have to start the encounter again um and there's one where like i just like the timing wasn't clear and i just kind of i had to restart it like 10 times and i was like fuck this game for a little bit um but other than that like it's it's very very well put together throughout so yeah yeah the the tricky thing with the the combat parts as well is when they work and you do them right the first time they really yeah, do that's work it. and they yeah. do add something um but more often than not like you said the timing will just be that it's just a kind of a an awkward an awkward spacing or distance and if it doesn't work it just it yeah it 
it feels a bit disjointed, I think, which is a shame because when it does work, it's great. Yeah. It's the same as like the chase sequences and they kind of are a returning theme from the first game and they're, they're similar. Like if you, yeah, if you're like, they're designed to, to be like to the wire, like you're meant to escape on yes. like the, you know, the thinnest sort of on the edge of your life. But, um, that means that more often than not, like the margin for error is also very, very wide and, you can kind of end yeah. up repeating the same sequence multiple times and it kind of takes away from it. But, um, thankfully, yeah, thankfully that stuff's kind of few and far between. And once yeah. you kind of get a feel for how the game plays, you, you generally don't have that much trouble with those things. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know how, how you feel about this, but I feel as though there was more of a, an emphasis on horror, like actual horror in this, rather than the original. I feel like yeah. the original was definitely kind of spooky and unsettling, but there were there were parts in the second game that I genuinely, after completing it, kind of realized that I'd either been holding my breath or yes. like maybe my the, the grip on my controller was just that little bit tighter. Yeah. Like it, it was it was far more yeah, disturbing and actually horror based yeah. which i thought was really well, like cool. the whole hospital section with the torch was like that was proper awful. horror oh my lord so yeah yeah so that yeah that's cool like it's it's interesting because the environments like the first game was set uh do you mind if i spoil it a little bit zach the first one oh it's it's one. pretty light um no, I don't really care. Okay. But uh, for those listening for the next... <laughs> it's not that bad of a spoiler. And it's an old game, so you can get fucked. Don't, there's no yeah. warning. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the first game was set in, like, this underwater, like, offshore black market kind of, like, a meat factory where people would come and just eat children. And that was, like, really, like from an environmental perspective and a, and a, like an atmosphere perspective, really like unsettling and weird. Whereas this game's like, it's, it's set in a city. So you kind of go through like a school and a hospital and a couple other places that are very kind of generic sort of not generic environments, but things that you've seen in other horror games before. Um, so I feel yeah. like, yeah, they definitely put an emphasis on scaring you more than sort of just like getting yes. under your skin. Like they did in the first game. I think uh, in in saying that, being that you you see more of the world, I I think that two actually improves one retroactively because you you have more context for the world. Like from the first one, it could be implied that maybe you know the more where it's set is kind of the the worst place in the world that it takes place in. Mm. Um, but but seeing how dark and dreary and horrible everything is in a grander scheme, kind of. Yeah, I, th- I I think it just with context it it makes the first one better. Yeah, and I think the world they've built is is awful but brilliant in the same yeah. way. Yeah, for sure. Game's great. Good game. You should play them both. Cool. So I gave that um, one an eight point five. Yeah, I was gonna say this. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, Adam, you've been uh, playing a review game. Yeah, I've been playing something on the complete opposite side <laughs> of the gaming spectrum to, to Little Nightmares. Uh, I've, and I'm sure plenty of other people have been playing Destruction All-Stars, uh, which was the the free PS5 game for the month of February. And I think it is for the next couple months as well, if I remember correctly. Um, 
pretty simple. It's uh, mostly multiplayer destruction derby vehicular combat game, I suppose, uh, where you can drive around big arenas, smash into to other people's cars, earn points, so on and so forth. Uh, but you can also jump out of your car and there's some kind of parkour elements to it. Uh, combining that with kind of the, the hero shooter trope, I suppose, of each character having a different hero vehicle and hero ability, which kind of mixes things up and changes balancing and whatnot. So the character that I play as uh, the most, Hana, she has her car, once you call it down, you can activate a giant sword that goes that goes from the, the tip to the back of the car. And if you speed into another car, it just rips it straight into. So you knock them out instantly. Um, so it's very uh, silly. It's kind of like, it's your, your typical party game. So I'm into that sort of thing, the, your Rocket Leagues and whatnot, as I've talked about a million times on the podcast. Um, so as soon as I saw this got announced, I was all over it because I thought it would be another one of those that would kind of sneak into my regularly played games. And luckily I think it probably will stay there. Um, cause it is kind of that arcade driving and it has, uh, the gameplay hooks great. All the, the, everything works as it should. There's only a couple little things that kind of, kind of bog it down. Um, before I kind of continue droning on, have any of you played it at all? I played like a little bit. So I've played the tutorial and some of like yep. the challenge stuff with like the first character that you get. Um, yeah, sure. but I haven't, I haven't actually gotten as far as jumping online and playing a proper game yet. Yeah, yeah not, cool. Not either. Me neither. Yeah, cool. Um, the the main oh, I won't go into yeah. So there are four four game modes, uh, all of which kind of revolve around just smashing into each other because it is destruction derby. Um, you've got mayhem, which is just sixteen player all on all, and the person with the highest amount of points wins. Pretty self explanatory. Um, you've got gridfall, which is kind of like if the the little beans from Fall Guys that were playing Hexagon decided that it would be funner to do it in cars. Um, so you drive around, knock each other off the sides, and the floor starts to fall out, and one person wins at the end of that. Uh, that's good fun. Carnado, which you gather points in teams of two, and to bank the points, you have to drive into the, the tornado in the middle. So it's kind of a, do I continue gaining points, or do I just bank the ones that I have? And you've got to toss that up. Uh, and then there's a slightly confusing one called stockpile, which you have to wreck cars, pick up gears on foot, and then bank them in three different banks. So it's kind of like uh, domination from Call of Duty, I suppose. Uh, so they're the four on launch. It'll definitely be one of those games that kind of grows over time, hopefully, if there's a player base. Um, the, all of the game modes are good. Stockpile's probably the, the weakest. Uh, but the weirdest thing and my biggest gripe with it is that you can only play two of the game modes when you're in a party. So I've been playing a lot of it with a few mates oh. and you can only play Carnado and Stockpile, um, which are the team-based modes. So I'm guessing it's kind of to avoid people teaming up and like picking on other players to to win, which I understand, but not being able to play against friends is a pretty big letdown because, mm. I mean, I really want to just get in a car and smash into my mates because that just sounds like fun. You can do that without uh, playing yeah, Destruction you, All-Stars, you know. You can. The insurance is... It, it Apparently, it doesn't cover that, though. I, I brought this up with them, and yeah, apparently not. Um, but yeah, that's a, a pretty big letdown. The other main thing is that there's just really not a great deal of progression. 
Um, the the mode that you were playing, Kieran, is called uh, what was it? Uh, Champions uh, Challenge Series, yeah. rather. So it's a you pick, you have one character, and there's like very very light story that takes you from event to mm. event. Um, which some of those events are locked behind this. This is a single player mode. I should I should preface. Um, and you unlock certain cosmetics through that way. There's nothing special cosmetic wise anyway, but that's kind of the only progression in the game is locked behind kind of a, a very short single player. Uh, you get that one, that first one for free. You play as Ultima, um, Ultima. The other ones you have to then pay for with, with premium currency. So if you want any sort of progression that is single player focused in a multiplayer game, you have to pay for it. So it's a really, it, it seems really misguided. Like if you play anything like Apex or Rocket League that have battle passes, which I really don't have an issue with, as you're playing, you're unlocking things. There's a there's a reason to keep playing. Um, whereas Destruction, if I win a game, I'm like, oh, cool. But then there's nothing, there's no reward. There's no reason to kind mm. of jump in and play another game. Even things like Call of Duty for, for years, they've had... You know, you've got weapon unlocks and class yeah. unlocks and things like that. There's really nothing to to keep the ball rolling, um, which is is pretty disappointing. Those those are my main gripes, though. Like the, the it's a foundation for something that could be excellent. Like the gameplay is great fun. The game is drop dead gorgeous. Like it the is animations beautiful. are incredible. I gotta say, everything it's so slick like from you jump into your car all the animations to do that launching out of your car you do a flip in the air you land on the ground you're running around for a bit you know you you free free run you're parkouring through walls and sh- it's just everything feels excellent mm. like the the foundation there is great it's just it needs to a have more content it's the the whole um fall guys thing of if you don't get that content out at a decent pace then player base just kind of drops off um and yeah they need to fix a few things like adding a reason to play like some progression is pretty necessary and just opening up the game modes i think would help a lot as well but for a free game that well free to everyone who has a ps5 and ps plus i suppose um it's it's awesome it's really great fun it's got a whole lot of character it's super slick it's definitely worth jumping into. It might not be a thing right now, but I can see it being worked on. Um, but in that sense, like Rocket League, when that first came out, was pretty bare bones. It was fun, but things needed to be added to it. So I have good faith that this will kind of do the same thing. Do would So this was initially going to be a, a proper launch game where th- that you paid yes. for. Would you pay money for this? So that was the issue I had when it got announced. I was really keen. Um, and then I went to pre-order it and it was $125. Um, I, there is no chance, even as much as I love these kind of party games, I wouldn't pay 125 bucks for it. Yeah. Um, so I'm really glad that I didn't, but I can see the things they've implemented into it after they've decided to make it a PS plus game. Um, like I, I don't know whether the same sort of, micros would be maybe they'd be in it but just maybe not to the same extent as if they they you know you paid 125 for it oh my god i think Um, i think if they charge 125 bucks and then made you buy the passes to play the single player stuff people would be livid that would be very yeah they're just 
it just wouldn't have happened. So I'm like, I'm glad in a way that I got it for free, obviously, because you know, 130 bucks you don't have to spend. Um, but I think they just need to tinker with the balancing of yes, you've given this to a whole bunch of players, but if you if they're going to fork out money for it, it needs to be for something worthwhile. Mm. All right, you. What score did you decide on in the end? Uh, I was messing around between seven point five and eight, but mm. I think for its current state, I'm going to go seven point five. The game's it's so much fun, but it just needs it needs a few things to 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 bump it up to that next level. Okay. Nice. All right, let's uh, let's move on uh, to our little short discussion um, topic for the week. So it could go on forever. It could go on forever. But yeah, it absolutely. Have, uh, we'll cap it at five or so minutes. But um, I want to talk to you guys and get your thoughts on what you can. How do you define an indie game? So for those listening at home, uh, Kieran and I we published a. Uh, a list of 30 indie games that are coming out this year uh, that we're keen for. So if you look at that list, um, there's quite a a range of different uh, scopes and budgets and backgrounds and whatnot of, for those games. So, And while we were making this list, we were kind of like, does this game fit? You know, yeah. Like, so I want to get your Jordan and Adam and... Karen, let's just have a quick chat about it. But <clears throat> yeah, I'd like to know what you guys think. What what makes an indie game what it is? You know, it's it's you... it's hard because sorry, sorry to cut you off, but the the idea of it being called indie is that it's independent from larger corporations, I suppose. But that the, the I feel like the the lines, at least in the last few years, have kind of blurred a little bit especially when there's there are games that money are being thrown at them from much larger companies that usually you wouldn't associate with Mm. maybe an indie studio Mm. um so yeah i think the discussion definitely now turns to is it more of a a stylistic choice or does it have to stick to being like a, a monetary thing or a business practice. So it's, it's, yeah, I think maybe the, the definition has maybe changed over the last little while. hundred percent. Like, so my, when Kieran and I were talking about it, you know, Kieran, you mentioned that, you know, the whole definition of indie is independent. Um, but yeah, we kind of both agreed that as, uh, as I guess gaming's gotten bigger and studios have got larger and whatnot it's i don't think it can be defined it's not that black and white anymore because i then threw yeah. i then threw the example of a company like bungie for example so does that mean that this new expansion coming from bungie the new destiny 2 expansion is is destiny 2 an indie game like sure. so like yeah. by definition it's they don't have a publisher they're self-publishing but you know to like to me that that game is well well beyond what you would classify as an indie game, um, and same yeah. with a game like Dying Light Two. So that's so they're not the second game isn't published by Warner Brothers. It's it's actually self published by Techland, who have about four hundred people on their payroll. Um, you know that that to me is a that all well, that game from what we've seen is a triple A game. Like whether it's backed by a big publisher or not, um, that the scope and the budget and the 
and the workforce, I guess, of that studio is at mm. AAA level to me. So uh, yeah, I think, for sure. I don't think, I don't, I don't think you can actually define it. I think it's, I think it's purely a case by case. Yeah. Um, situation now and yeah there's going to be some games that you might think that yeah that falls in as indie and other people might go probably not so if you look at our list of 30 games there's probably maybe maybe half a dozen max we'll say that kind of blur the lines a bit mm. um sherlock holmes is, is definitely one that i was like yeah do we add that or do we not so that actually made it in purely because when we tallied up because i was like let's do 30 games and we'll cap it at 30 because we could have gone for fucking ever um and then when i counted all the lists and i was making like the image for it, i was like i've only got 29 games <laughs> which one am i missing here um so I, w- I went back and counted through it again and again i had 29 so i was like okay fuck like what game do i choose yeah. and because i'm doing as a side note like i'm doing a point and click article separately so i couldn't just throw those games in. I was like, you know what? For for the sake of this article, semantics. Um, this is Frogware's first self-published game, so let's just you know let's let's sneak them in through the back door here. Um, yeah. To me, like that's a like that that's a double A game, and I think I would nearly say Oddworld Soulstorm fits fits as a double yeah. A game, even though it's you know that style of game platform you don't probably go hey that's triple a or you know massive like that but yeah i think just that that scope or that just the perception of it like you don't i don't look at that and go oh Oddworld's yeah. an indie game same with like atomic heart um jordan what do you yes. what do you think um i don't i don't exactly disagree with everyone's points it, it's definitely hard to define what indie games are now because like what we see as indie games now is very different to what indie games used to be. Mm. But I guess the easiest way that I look at it is um, I look at like indie games as just purely being about the art. And so they're not trying to appease any form of shareholders. So that comes down to, if you look at at something like digital extremes for Warframe, by definition, they are an indie developer because they do everything by themselves but they have shareholders to look out yeah. for people like Tencent and stuff like that. So, yeah. Which um, is I the think distinction for like, well, like you talk about Destiny or um, whatever yeah, it was. Um, City Project Red, who I... Like, or City I Project Red. Like, so, so does that make Cyberpunk yeah. an indie game? Like by but definition, it, but no, because they're, yeah. they're self-published, but they're not independent. Like they have people to answer mm, yeah. to at the end of the day, so but I, they I can't think make their a, own decisions. I, I think a really good example of how... You can blur those lines is with Moon Studios and the Ori games. So those games aren't made with the intent of appeasing shareholders, and you can tell because Microsoft effectively gave Moon Studios free reign over everything. They had no hand mm. in anything of whatever that studio did, for better or for worse. Uh, depends on who you ask uh, about the sequel, but um, you know that's still a game made you know with love and care, and it's all about the art, and you know. Yeah. portraying that story through its visual and its design and it's published by microsoft and there's no rule saying that it cannot be published by something like that it's just you know it's the game first and then it's the business second yeah yeah i think there's there's definitely some i think you make a good point about the the intent because if you if you think about because looking through the the list that you guys uh curated the EA originals kind of leans leans into that as well. Like EA obviously is an enormous company, 
but they've put this collection together of um, for publishing developers that are making smaller titles. Yeah. Um, now, do we do we no longer class them as an indie game like It Takes Two, which is made by the same people that did oh, wow. um, was it A Way Out? Yeah, which I mean, it definitely is by all looking at it visually and like Jordan was saying, intent definitely feels like an indie game, but it has the backing of this enormous company that is EA because they've decided that they're going to start funding smaller indie yeah. titles. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think having the definition that it has to be self-published is a bit reductive in a sense because then you're also saying that anything published by someone like Devolver Digital is an indie, whereas if you yeah. look at any Or even like getting, getting games, funding from like Film Vic and stuff, is like, is exactly. funding like, does that spell yeah. doom for like indie? Or mm. like... Yeah, but like, yeah. So... I agree. It is also, it is a case by case basis, but um, I think uh, you just it, it's more than just the game. You have to look at the the culture behind how it mm. was made. Yeah, yeah. that's For that's. Sure. I also think. Sorry, you know, sorry, you go, go Adam. Um, I think you make a good point as well about like I suppose demonizing the idea of being a double A AA or triple A studio if you do decide to to pick up a, a publishing partner. Yeah. Like it, it becomes a, a weird thing of if you were an indie developer, but then you decide to partner with a, a publisher. Um, I'm sure there are people that would see you see that as, you know, or you're selling out, you're no longer an indie developer. Whereas like you, your intent probably hasn't changed. It's just, you want to be able to do things on mm. a larger scale. You obviously, you want your game to be, to be played and enjoyed by more people which shouldn't be something that's demonized. Um, but I feel like there are probably people that do see it that way. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. I think Jordan, you've, you've probably hit the nail on the head with intent and, and design choice being the, the big leading factors. Yes. Hmm. Indeed. I agree. Yes. Um, yeah, nice. Yeah. So it's definitely an interesting conversation. Mm. I think uh, there's, there's people, obviously people are going to heavily disagree with certain things. Um, I know that like, cause like I'm, I'm pretty much on the same, like we've obviously we've spoken about this at length, Zach, but I'm on the same wave, mm. wavelength as Jordan where it's like, it's, it's not an issue of like who or, or how, but just, yeah, the intent and, you know, if if the the people creating the the game are creating their specific vision under their control, then that to me that's that's literal literal definition of you know being independent. Um, although, yeah, obviously, you can also also define that as being financially independent or you know creatively independent, whatever kind of independence it is. Like to me, that mm-hmm. that kind of validates it. Um, but there's obviously going to be people out there as well that take a a, a harsher approach. And I guess you can look at like, you can even look at like music where like, you know, if, if you think of indie rock, that's nothing to do with the production side of things, but that's like a semantic thing. You know, yeah. like indie rock has, uh, has its own intrinsic values and its own, you know, community and yeah. its own vibe. Um, so, you know, there's going to be people out there obviously that think of indie games and that sort of same way, you know, it's like the very grassroots stuff. It's got a specific kind of tone and specific kind of audience. Um, and I kind of like, I feel bad that we didn't include some more of those kind of like really kind of underground indie stuff in our list, but also finding that stuff 
mm. in in a good amount of time is also difficult um but um yeah it's an interesting conversation yeah well i guess so that's why i think it's all based on scope like it's a, it's a whole bunch of different factors that tie in together because you know we go back to the ea original thing and you know they're not gonna be putting out you know 10 million dollars on a ea original it's going to be a smaller budget game so i think you know they all kind of tie in together all right let's uh if you do have any thoughts on that you can uh message us on anywhere i'll give you a yeah. number. Hang hit on, us up on my... uh google mess google messenger <laughs> let me get let me get my um phone out oh four no no but um how did you know on Google Messenger? Yeah. Nice. All right, let's quickly go to the news. Um, <clears throat> we'll, we'll wrap through this stuff pretty quickly. Um, biggest news of the week, uh, Cyber Ghost Cyber. Sniper Ghost Warrior Contracts 2 delayed till Q2 2021. Uh, the CEO basically said that the the scope of the game is expanded uh, and they want to release and launch on as many platforms as possible, which does sound like they are going to aim to use another pun there, uh, for new-gen consoles. Um, they did say that in Q1, the, the marketing will start, and so we, we should get a release date. Uh, and then uh, Prince of Persia, the remake of that, has been delayed infinitely. Uh, infinitely? Infinitely. infinitely. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, um, indefinitely. Sorry, I'm going a bit too fast. Um so, which is, I don't know, is anybody really surprised by this? Not really. Because nope. the game looked a bit like ass. Yeah. It? Like when they. Yeah, like, it didn't look wonderful. When they showed it off whenever it was a couple months ago or whatever. Um, it looked very indie. <laughs> it looked, it looked <laughs> fucking bum, mate. Like, that's it looked like it looked they'd like. given up on it. So, like, I'm kind of glad it's been delayed. Like, they're not yeah, just going to, so like, shit it out and then be like, eh, whatever. Mm, so it's yeah. Well, it, it sounds like they care enough, I guess, or or at least the developers do, because it's made be made by Ubisoft India, um, or the Indian uh, arm of uh, of Ubisoft there. So yeah, they just put out a statement that just says that. Um, let me just quickly get it up for you. Since announcing Prince of Persia: Sounds of Time remake in September, we saw. A, a, outpouring of feedback from you of this beloved franchise it's your passion and support that is driving our development teams to make the best game possible with that said we have made the decision to shift the release for the game to a later date this extra development time will enable our teams to deliver a remake that feels fresh while remaining faithful to the original um who reckons we'll see it this year not no no no, I think it'll be this year, but maybe just not until till late, late this year, Q4. Yeah, unless they've scrapped the whole thing and started again. Like if they've got the bones of it still, like it wasn't that far off release. I'm sure. I'm sure they'll have it. It also time. like, yeah, it looked rough, but it looked like it was at least moving in the right direction. The right direction being a release, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, it it looked like it was it was at least somewhat done so yeah I think it'll be this year alright uh, Jordan you want to talk about your uh, yeah. fantasy news yeah I'll just make it quick um, over the weekend there was uh, an announcement stream that 
Square Enix held. Uh, it was hosted by Yoshi P and his translator. They basically uh, discussed the future of Final Fantasy and it's another expansion. Surprise, surprise. A little bit sooner than I was expecting. So uh, the newest expansion, Endwalker, is set to release sometime in spring this year. And it's focused on uh, completely uh, concluding the story that has started since A Realm Reborn back in 2013. So uh, it's going to be quite a hefty thing. Uh, they've got a, a number of changes uh, in terms of balance, um, even things like um, value crunching. So the numbers are getting obs obscenely large in... Uh, in Final Fantasy XIV now to the point where one of the bosses that they were going to add in the next uh, major patch had 440 million health. Uh, so they're kind of crunching all that Jesus down. Christ. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're kind of, you know, crunching all that down to uh, to make sure that it's not absurdly large. Um, mainly for design purposes because reading all that information can be very distracting while you're in the middle of doing something. But also at the same time to stop the engine from shitting itself and becoming Fallout 76. But um, yeah, so they're, they're doing all that. Uh, and uh, they also mentioned the the new healer class they bring in, the Sage. It sounds a lot like the Scholar so far, but you know, we'll see. Uh, and then there's a melee class they're adding, but they haven't said anything else uh, outside of that. Um the only other really big thing of note is that with that expansion, they're also adding a data sensor travel system, which you guys haven't really played. But what you can do is you can transfer, you can visit different servers within a certain data center, but you can't visit other data centers. With this expansion, you can actually do that. So say you're playing on a Japanese data center like most Australians do, you can go visit your friends on a North American data center once this expansion releases, which is really cool. Yeah, right. But, uh, yeah, it looks really good. Um, outside of that, uh, the PS5 version of Final Fantasy XIV got announced. Uh, the beta is starting on April 13th, which is also the same day that uh, the patch 5.5 will release. Uh, people that own the PS4 version of the game will receive a free upgrade, as with most games. And there you go. That's about it. I'm keen. Nice. Is that still a subscription game? It is still a subscription yeah, okay. model, yes. But I actually learned that, um, you know, that whole Xbox Live Gold fiasco uh, a week or two ago? Mm. Mm. So, uh, because uh, free-to-play games still required Xbox Live Golds on Xbox, uh, that was the reason why Final Fantasy XIV was never really brought onto the platform. Because they didn't want people paying a subscription to play online and then playing another subscription to play their game. Yeah, right. Because there are some people that would only play that game and they'd play two subscriptions, which is stupid. Interesting. Nice one. Oh, all right. Um, earlier tonight, uh, CD Projekt Red tweeted out that they had been hacked um, and that the source code for... Uh, the Witcher 3, um, Cyberpunk 2077, some, um, uh, like, files and documents relating to admin, legal, investor relations and stuff had all been stolen. 
um, and that the uh, the servers have been like been encrypted, um, and if they uh, the hackers and city project red can't come to some sort of agreement um then the source code will be leaked online uh as well as the, the documents which will be sent out to like gaming journos um it's probably one of the worst not that i've seen a lot but like one of the worst bloody demand emails <laughs> going around um like it starts off with you'll have been epically pawned it's pwned um which is not a good start for them. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether this is real or not. Um, basically, City Project Red put out a statement saying that they uh, won't give in to the demands. That they um, do not negotiate with terrorists. And nor do they negotiate with internet terrorism. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens uh, on that front. Uh, maybe they can leak the source code to modders who can fix the game for them. Um, but we'll see. Anyone got any thoughts on that? Uh, no. Yeah. yeah no. Can't, say, can't say I care a great deal. Savage. Uh, all right. Probably the uh, the other, probably one of the biggest bits of news this week, I guess, is. Um, Old mate Jason Schreier has reported that uh, EA will decide what to do with Bioware's Anthem um, within the week. Um, Whether they basically keep putting money into it um, and they do launch this, what's it called, like Anthem Next or whatever they've uh, coined it, um, or whether they just fucking take it out the back and shoot it. Um, Which will be, yeah, I... What do you guys think? Do you, are you expecting EA to keep putting money into it? Should they put money into it? Is it worth it? I uh, yeah. don't think they should. But mm. gaming executives are also out of touch and incredibly stupid. So I would not be surprised if they did green light um, re- pretty much rebooting it. Mm. I think it's I think it's too late. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's been what two years. Yeah. Mm. It's yeah, it's far too late. Any desire that anyone did have to hopefully play Anthem in a better light, that's long since gone. Yeah. Yeah, I was in that camp I actually think, of wanting to play yeah. it, but I was like, oh, I'll wait until it's in better shape and then that just never happened, so mm. don't care at all. I reckon they'll uh yeah, I reckon they'll take it out of the back. And yeah. Put it put it to rest personally. I think that they've got to um, they'll take their $10 million and give it to an indie dev. <laughs> yeah, turn them into a AAA it. studio. Because um, what? They got Anthem. Sorry, they got Mass Effect and they got Dragon Age in the works. They're Battlefield just, as well. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm more talking that, about that's, Bioware. That's not sorry. Bioware. <laughs> no, Bioware is making Battlefield. Sorry, I, oh, I was okay. just thinking general EA. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, I think uh, they're probably better off putting those resources, given that Bioware's had a couple of stinkers now, um, they're probably better off putting as many resources into making Dragon Age as probably good as good as it can be, I would say. Um, but then I don't run a, a AAA publisher. Mm. Indie publisher. I just run indie 
any public. <laughs> um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. EA Sports. To see. It's an indie game. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's indie game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's what, yeah. But yeah, uh, speaking of one, one sure other little get it. bit of news there that Kieran, you just reminded me of is that yeah, they um, big the devil himself, uh, Andrew Wilson. The devil himself. To, uh, he did Jesus, that's a big call. The literal well, he, devil, Adam Wilson, he looks Andrew like, Wilson. Sean. He looks like the human form of Satan. <laughs> he's probably he's probably a great bloke. So wait, does that mean when you always say, I'm going to play devil's advocate here, you're playing his advocate? Yeah, Andrew's no. advocate. Damn it. Double A studio. <laughs> um, he just looks like... A <laughs> 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 yeah, he just doesn't look like. Uh, he just looks like a money eaten, shit grinning fuckwit. Um, tell tell us what you really think, shit. fellas. Jesus. Um, the old money eating, shit grinning fuckwit. <laughs> <laughs> AKA the devil. <laughs> I think we have our intro for the week. What are we fucking talking about? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, uh, new Battlefield. Uh, he said that they will be. Uh, announcing it soon, did they, Adam, or did I make Yeah, no, they'll, I know they're announcing they'll it. announce it in the, for us autumn, so it's not too far away. Okay, right. Yeah, so, and that's Battlefield 5, isn't it? No, no 6. No, they're, they're re-releasing Battlefield 5. 6, sorry. Uh, I'm, a, I'm actually kind of keen for it. I, do, I, I, don't, I don't mind the Battlefield. I, yeah, I'm, um, I'm real keen for a new Battlefield. I am um, fanging for it. I don't play the multiplayer, though. I just play the... Uh, Story, because I'm a story boy. Oof. But um, then, why do you play Battlefield? Yeah, that's a weird choice. Like, yeah, that's I, I, I not... play for the campaigns, mate. Just like COD, I I used to buy COD for the campaign. That yeah, one's understandable. Battlefield, like some of, yeah, yeah, some of the COD campaigns have been pretty, you know, pretty hey, top notch. Has some right campaigns. Yeah, you stab not a rat at like, one stage. Not, not since Bad Company Two. Yeah, Bad Company Two was a banger, though. What a time! They need to do more of that. You know what they should? Something or other was good. Like, oh yeah, memorable. You know what they should do with their <laughs> what they should do with the next Battlefield is like, you know, proper, you know, numbered Battlefield sequel multiplayer mode, and then like a bad company single player mode. I'd, I'd what they should so do is that. they should they should set the next Battlefield within Bioware's offices during uh, the Anthem development. <laughs> <laughs> Oof, Jesus. In uh, big old shit eaten. <laughs> he's, um, he's the end boss. Yeah, he's the boss. <laughs> when you fight the devil. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. This has um, spiraled so far out of control. Yeah, alright, let's um off topics very, very quickly before um yeah. Anyone got any off topics? Uh, no. I watched all of Brooklyn Nine Nine season seven, and it was great. And that's it. Yeah, Is how it good? Uh, it's not exactly new, but I only noticed the other day that it was on Netflix. Did it get added the other day? No. Yeah, they only it only just got added to Netflix. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so uh, yeah, but it's so good. Nice. I watched um, the Hello on Prime the the other night. Hello. Did you complain it's about actually, the subtitles? It's, it's, it's a film. No, it was actually um, English. English oh, film. Look out! Um, well, Irish to be to be exact, but um, yeah, it was from 2015, I think. It's kind of 
kind of cool. Just yeah, um, that's that's all I've been sort of watching. Not much else to report on the um, off topics. Adam, you got uh, as far as watching, I started. I can't remember if I said this last time I was on. I don't think so. Uh, Night Stalker about Ramirez in. Oh, how good is yeah, that? Yeah, I haven't finished the the series yet. I think there's only... It's limited run, so there's not heaps to watch, but it's show's excellent, it's though. four reps, yeah. I think I've watched two of yeah, the four. Yeah, it's very... It's, um... It's it's very well yeah. done. Like, the way they've, like, recreated those scenes and stuff is awesome. Um, but when you finish it, let's, let's, um, let's talk about it because there's a couple of things I want to discuss with you. Because there's, like... Those like, like those type of shows are fascinating. Just at they how are. inept some of the like, yeah, police work are. But it's normally not like it's not from the police people, like the grunt workers. It's more like the people higher it's, up. They just seem like fucking. They got no idea. It's so much of like um, measuring measuring dick size. Like oh, it's in my mm. jurisdiction, so I'm gonna withhold the the evidence or yeah, things like that. That. It just seemed yeah, baffling like, looking I, back on. Yeah, like even it's like, don't you want to catch the guy? Yeah, yeah. Like, there's there's a bigger like, bigger thing at play here. Um, um, but yeah, it's but yeah. it's very very good. We'll talk. Very good. Keen to. We'll talk about it. And the soundtrack's fun. Ah, oh, it's banging, isn't it? Isn't it? Such a good time. Um, I actually tried to find some of the tracks, but they, the ones that they've obviously done for the show, there's just yeah, there's nothing no, to be found. No existence of them. All right. Let's uh, let's call call it there. Um, unless anyone's got any other final words to say, sounds a bit grim. Yeah, it's a bit that. rough. No, I, th- I think that's it. Um, all right. Yeah. Cool. Thanks everyone for tuning in once again. I uh, hope you have a great weekend, great week, great dinner on Friday night. Whatever you're doing. Uh, if you want to check out all the uh, content, Kieran's reviews, Adam's reviews. Uh, I'll have a point and click uh, article up. It'll be very exciting. Make sure to click on that. Uh, go to www.well-played.com.au and uh, we shall see you next week. See ya. Bye. Ciao. Do you have to put the question mark on that last W for the URL to work? <laughs>